Thanks for listening in to the Calvary Podcast, coming to you from Miami, Florida. We're so glad you've joined us. We hope today's message will encourage you and remind you that God is with you and He's for you. Here's today's message. Our anchor verse in this series has been Hebrews 12.1. And, and, and we've been talking about this verse for, for the last few weeks. We've been talking about it because it's, it's an amazing verse. And if, if, if you go there right now, it's going to come up on the screens. Hebrews 12.1. This is what it says. It says, therefore, and every time, let me, let me pause right there. Every time we see the word therefore, it's because something happened before. And, and what, it, what that therefore is there for is to remind us that before chapter 12, there was chapter 11, right? Dull, right? But when chapter 11, we read about all the, the, the heroes that, we're gonna, that we've been talking about. But it says, therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. And this is an amazing verse. And if we just take a few seconds to just really, really chew upon this verse, we can pick up some, some nuggets right away as we see that. For example, it says, such a great cloud of witnesses. And we know that because we've been talking about the heroes, those that went before us, those, that, those people that, 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 are, that already passed, but they have something for us to learn. And it says, it says, a cloud of witnesses, which means that they are looking that they are witnesses, that they went through something before, but guess what? They're looking now. And they're saying, now we are your witnesses. And as your witnesses, we're telling you, hey, you can do this. You can run this race. Because how many of you know that when you are become a Christian and when you start saying, I, I am going to walk this Christian walk, it's a marathon. It's not a sprint. So it is a race that we do daily. It is something that we do daily. And they're talking about it. And then something else that encouraged me is this. Look at what it says. It says, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. And that ministers to me. And I tell you why. Because that makes it a little bit more realistic to me. Because I am a human being and I'm a sinner. Right? But it's, it's telling us that the witnesses that we're looking up to, the witnesses that we're trying to learn from, they also struggle with some of these things. They also had to go through some struggles. They also had to go through some sins. It says, and let us run with perseverance the race that is marked out for us. And that's what we've been doing in the last few weeks. We've been trying to get things from, from different heroes and saying, okay, how did you run? How was it that you run? When you were running, what kind of obstacles did you face? Because I know that I face obstacles in my race. Amen? Is there anybody out there that can relate to what I'm saying? Right? Is there anybody? Because when we became Christians, it, it didn't mean that everything was going to get easy. It didn't mean that now from now on we can, we can chase the unicorns and we can wear the, the rose-colored glasses. Right? That doesn't happen. That doesn't happen. It, but it does mean that as we do this race, as we do this walk, we have a God that's looking out for us. We have a God that says, I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. Though, although things might get strong, uh, although things might get hard, although things might get discouraged, discouraging at times, you can always look up to me. You can always look up to this bunch of witnesses that I got around you that are going to encourage you and are going to show you that you can also do it, that you're not alone, that you're not running this race. So it says, run it with perseverance. That's a word that I would love for you guys to underline in your Bibles in that verse, uh, perseverance. Because he's also saying that there is a race that's been marked out for us. So each, of, each one of us who calls ourselves Christians must know that there is a race that we got to run. 
but we also can, can, can go back and we can also look at, at the different heroes and different witnesses that are already cheering us on and saying, you know what, if I did it, you can do it too. And this race, man, you know, I, I don't know. I don't know, but early in my, in my earlier years, there was a period where I lost my sanity for a while. And I, and I got into running. Anybody out there a runner? We pray for you guys. <laughs> running is hard, man. So, but anyways, I, I thought at one point in my time, you know what? Yeah, I'm going to do this. And I started running and I started training and I started doing 5Ks and I was going to do 10Ks. And eventually I wanted to do a marathon, right? A marathon eventually. But then, but then I came back to reality and I said, no, no, no. It never happened. But you know, but you know uh, as I was training, as I was running, there were some days that it was easy and some days that I felt good. But there were other days that I struggled. And other days that I couldn't, I, I, I didn't want to do it. And you know, what, what was good for me is that I went and I looked at other guys that were doing it and I really enjoyed it. And there were witnesses, basically. And I started teaming up with some of those guys. And when I would run with those guys and they were, and I, and I didn't want to run anymore, I wanted to quit. I remember one time we went on a run and we were doing all kinds of crazy things. And, and man, and I wanted to quit. I just wanted to stop. I just wanted to just sit down on the, on the curve and say, man, I'm, I'm going to call someone to come and get me. And I remember this guy that was running with me that morning and said, no, man, come on, let's go. And he would pick me up and he would grab me by an arm. He says, hey, look, all you have to worry about is your next step. All you have to worry about is your next step. Don't worry that we're five miles away from where we got to get, or where our cars are parked. Don't worry about that you're thirsty. Don't worry about that you came. All you got to worry about is your next step. That's it. And you know, in our Christian walk, you know, that's what God tells us. Don't be worried about what's happening negative, way down the road. All you have to worry is about your next step. Have faith that I'm going to be there with you. Have faith that I'm going to be there with you. So today, that's what we're going to try to talk about. What, what else can we learn and what else can we do? And the hero that I want to talk about this morning is called Elisha. Elisha. Okay. Let's not, let's not mistake him with Elijah. Because they're really close. And as a matter of fact, Elijah was Elijah's uh, mentor. And they got together, and Elijah, Elijah was a rock star. Elijah was a tremendous prophet. And, and he, he, Elijah, not Elisha, was, was a, a man of God that was doing amazing things back then. He was, he, all kinds of miracles. Uh, the Bible tells us that Elijah took part in 14 miracles that are, that, that are documented in the Word of God that Elijah took part in. So this guy was doing amazing things, amazing things. But there was a, one point that he came, there was a one point that he came, and he tapped Elijah to come with him. In other words, he was a witness to Elisha. And then Elijah, just an ordinary guy. And we're going to hear about it because Elisha became a tremendous prophet also. He became such an amazing prophet of God that the Bible documents that not only Elijah did 14 miracles, Elijah did 28 miracles. The Bible says that when you document it and studies show that Elijah, Elisha, was only second to Jesus in the miracle department. So that's what, what an amazing man of God this man was. And that's what an amazing man and all the things that he was doing and the miracles that he was performing and the things that he was, that it, that he was being a part of. But if we just see that, and if we just stay on that, we, we, can, we can get discouraged ourselves. We can say, well, you know, I will never amount to that. You know, I can never be like Elijah. I can never, I mean, this guy was awesome. This guy was a saint. This guy was good. But you know what? That's what's so good about this series. Because if we just see the end, then we miss the beginning. And in the beginning and in between, the beginning and the end, that's where the lessons lie. And today we're going to find out how Elisha started. 
because we're going to learn some principles from him that are going to help us because no matter what we find ourselves in this walk in this, in this marathon we can always pick something out and today Elijah is going to show you some things but before we can get to to read something and we're going to read from first king chapter 19 so if you if you start making your way over there we're going to start in verse 19 we're going to read from there and then we're going to pray and then we're going to try to unpack some things so if you're there can you say amen Okay, here we go. Get my Bible. If I can make it out, I will. If not, I will look at the screens like you guys. If you don't have your Bible with it. Okay, it says like this. Verse 19, starting. It says, So Elijah went from there and found Elijah, son of, I hope I say this right, Shaphat. He was plowing with 12 yoke of oxen, and he himself was driving the 12th pair. Elijah went up to him and threw his cloak around him, Elijah then left his oxen and ran after Elijah and said, Let me kiss my father and mother goodbye, he said, and then I will come with you. Go back, Elijah replied. What have I done to you? So Elijah left him and went back. He took his yoke of oxen and slaughtered them. He burned the plowing equipment to cook the meat and gave it to the people, and they ate. Then he set out to follow Elijah and became his servant. Became his servant. We're going to stop there. Let's pray before we keep going. Father, we thank you that we can come before you. We thank you that you show us so many witnesses that we can learn from. Father, right now we pray that you open our eyes to see what you have for us today, that you open our ears to see what you want us to hear, and that you open our hearts to, to allow us to receive what you want us to receive. We love you and we thank you. And it's in Jesus' name that everybody said, amen, amen, amen. So here we have Elijah. And like, like I was saying, Elijah, if we just look at the end, when he was such a rock star prophet, we're saying, well, wow, that, 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 whatever that guy was doing, I can never amount to that. But if we see the beginning, we see that Elijah's beginning and Elijah's life was pretty much an ordinary life. It was pretty much like a lot of our lives. We just go up, we have our routines, and we do what we do, and then we keep going day and day after day and day after day. See, Elijah spent most of his life asking and wondering about one question. And it's a question that when you see, when I, when I tell you, it's a question that you might relate to. It's a question that, that we can all relate to because I know I relate to this question. And this is the question that Elijah was asking most of his life. Is my life ever going to count? Is my life ever going to count? Is my life ever going to amount to anything? Is my life ever going to mean something? Or is this all there is to my life? See, this is what Elijah was struggling with. This is what he was doing. And, and most of his story, most of Elijah's testimony is not about greatness. Yeah, we hear about the 28 miracles and we hear about the, uh, the one time he, he asked for someone to throw a, a, a metal axe head in the water and he made it float. And, and if we, we can get blinded by all that stuff. But most of his life was not about greatness. Most of his history was not about greatness. A lot of his history, a lot of what he was doing was something that we all have to do at times. Something that all the heroes that we talked about throughout the series had to do most of the time. And that was that he had to wait. That he had to wait upon God. That he had to wait for what things were, were to happen. If we go back and we start with Hannah, Hannah had to wait to have a child. If we go back and we see about, about Moses, Moses had to wait we had to wait 40 years. If we see about Jacob, Jacob had to wait. If we see about David, David had to wait around 30 years after he got anointed being king. A lot of waiting. 
A lot of waiting. And I don't know if you're anything like me, but I don't, can I say hate in church? Yeah, I hate waiting. I really hate waiting. I mean, I, I don't know about you, and I know that's none of you guys out there, but I, I'm that type of guy that, you know, when you, when, you, when you get to a red light and you're the first car, I don't know what you do, but this is what I do. I start looking at that little box on the side that starts counting down. You do that too, huh? That's why you're laughing. You do that. <laughs> and, and then when, when it gets to 10, 9, and you're like, okay, it's coming, it's coming. But then, but then you got to wait because the other guys are not even looking. But anyways, or, or if not, if the box is not working, then what I do is I look at the light on the other side. And it's like, okay, it's going to turn, it's going to turn, it's going to turn. Right? That's what you do. Because we don't like waiting. We, for some reason, we as human beings, we do not like waiting. And this is something that happens. I've even seen that. I've even seen, I've been blessed lately in having a grandson, right? Man, I have a, we were blessed with a grandson. And, and, I, and I see that even in him. He just turned one yesterday. God bless him. But man, we, we even see it in him. That kid does not like to wait. And he doesn't even know what waiting is. But he doesn't like it. You know, it's like when, when he tries to eat, he lets us know that he's hungry. And when I mean, he's done, I and mean, we put the stuff in there, and man, he's already asking for more. When we're trying to feed him, and then the spoon is not even back. To the thing, and he's like, ah, come on, give me some more. Because <laughs> we don't like to wait. We don't like to wait. But if we were talking to Elijah right now, and we're going to see a little bit more of his life, but if we were talking to him right now, he would be telling us this. Even in the waiting, even in the waiting, we can give our, our best to God. Even in the middle of the waiting, we can give our best to God. And I'm going to give you some handles that we're going to talk a little bit more about today and we're going to unpack a little bit. But these handles are handles that are going to encourage us in our waiting. They're going to encourage us in our walk. They're going to encourage us in our race. They're going to encourage us in this marathon that we call life. And the first handle that I'm going to give you is just that. It says, give your best to God wherever he puts you. Give your best to God wherever he puts you. See, I don't know where God has you today. I don't know where he has you. I don't know if, you, if you're in a place where you say, man, I, I'm in a place that I hate where I'm at right now. I'm in a place that I don't know. I, I'm, you know, I, I don't know if you're, you want, but some of those people that really, really, really hate Mondays, right? Okay, I can't, I can't wait for, I hate Mondays. I, and you live for Friday. Maybe you're in that place. Maybe you're in a place you're saying, well, you don't know what I'm going through. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm, I'm really hate where I'm at right now. I don't like the way my marriage is going. I don't like the way my kids are going. I don't like the way my job is going. I hate my job. I don't like my boss. I don't, I don't, but you know what? Yeah, that's all okay. Those are feelings that you can't deny. Those are feelings that you have to process. Those are feelings that you have to, to deal with. But even in that situation, you can still give your best to God. Even in a situation where you say, man, I can't, I don't know how I'm going to get up tomorrow to go to work because Friday when I left, it wasn't good. You know what? You can still decide, you can still choose to say, I am going to give my best. I am going to give my best to where God has me. Because you know what? Uh, instead of thinking that way, maybe we, should, we need to change our perspective a little bit. And instead of saying, oh my God, I got to go to that job again. Why don't we switch it a little bit and say, thank God that I have a job. Thank God that I'm blessed. Thank God that I can provide for my family. Thank God that I can get paid. Thank God that I can do something. That I can do something to be able to move ahead. See, it's all about perspective. It's all about perspective. So that's the question. Where does God have you right now? Where does God have you right now? And how are you reacting to it? What are you doing? What have you chosen to do? Uh, what have you said, I'm going to do this, that, or the other? See, I'll tell you where, 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 where God had Elijah when Elijah came. He was plowing the field. We read it. So every day, and probably since he turned 13 into whatever he was when Elijah came, that's what Elijah did. Got up in the morning, 
probably said his prayers, had breakfast, and then went out and got those ox and started plowing the field every day from sunup to sundown. Every day, six days a week, that would be Elisha plowing the fields, coming down behind two huge animals that were just going in front of him, plowing a field. And Elijah would be there, smelling the smells, stepping on the stuff, doing whatever, because the ox were just plowing. The ox were doing stuff too. And that was Elijah. And I just want to, I just want to put you there in that picture. I, I want to show you what it looked like for, for Elijah. I, I know that that's what it looked like. That's what it looked like. Every day, from sunup to sundown, that was Elijah walking. And I can imagine what he must be saying. God, is this all my life is going to be? Is this what it's going to amount to? Is this all I got until I die, whatever? He must have been having dreams. He must have said, this is not what I signed up for. This is not really what I wanted to do. But you know what? He was doing his best in what God put him. Because every day he would get up, he would get behind those ox, and he would do what he did. He would do what he did. And if he was here, he would tell you, you know why I did it? Because even when you don't think that what you do matters, even when you don't think that anyone's looking, even when you don't think that anyone cares, God cares. God is watching. God is looking at you. God is seeing how you react to it. God wants to bless you. God is faithful. So that's what he did. He kept doing everything by faith every day. And guess what happened? One day, Elijah comes around. One day, Elijah comes around and throws his cloak over Elisha. And back then, what that meant was that you were basically getting higher. What that meant basically was, okay, now I'm putting my mantle over you, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to invest in you, and you're going to come and work for me, and, and eventually you're going to take my place. Eventually you're going to take my place. That's what happened right there. So in other words, it was a hiring process. It was a hiring process. And Elijah, what Elijah did was, okay, okay, what do I do? Let me go kiss my dad and my mom, uh, and I'll go right after you. And Elijah's like, do what you got to do. I mean, I mean, whatever. I did what I had to do. And it says that Elijah... Burned everything, killed the ox, poor ox, he killed them, fed the people, and went after Elijah, but went to become his servant, went to learn. And still from that moment on, it was 10 more years before Elijah did anything. The only thing he did is every day then, he would just hang around Elijah, and the Bible talks about that he would wash his master's hand. You know, back then, that was one of the most menial things that you could do. Wash some, your master's hands or your master's feet. That's what Elijah was doing. And still, if he was here, he would tell you, even in that spot, I did my best. Where does God have you? And what are you doing about it? What does he have you? And what are you doing about it? Because it's in, the, it's in those moments where you're going to be able to shine. Because, see, God already knows that we are destined for greatness. He wants you to be great. He wants to bless you to be great. He knows that you're great. He loves you. He has a plan and a purpose for your life. But you see, we don't see ourselves that way. We see ourselves different. Why? Because we have grown up and gone through life listening to voices and lies that people have told us. 
No, but lies like you're not going to amount to anything. Lies like who do you think you are? You think you can speak? You think you can read? You think you can write? You are nothing. And somehow we chose to believe that. Instead of believing what God says about, about us. Instead, instead of believing that God says, you are worthy. You are, I love you. You are precious in my sight. You're so lovable that I want to send my son Jesus to die for you on a cross so you can have eternal life with me. That's what we need to choose to believe. But you see, we get caught up in the obscure things, in the obscurity. And that's what I'm gonna, the next handle that I want to share with you is that. That give your best in obscurity and God will reward it. And God will reward it publicly. See, talk about obscurity. And what is obscurity? Obscurity, basically, the definition is when whatever it is that you're doing, you don't think that anyone sees. Whatever you think that you're doing, you don't think that anyone cares about. And talk about obscurity. I mean, can it get more obscure than what Elijah was doing? Like we talked about every day, just getting up and doing that, plowing the fields. And then after that, when he started following Elijah, all what he was doing was about washing his master's hand, making sure his clothes were set right, making sure that whatever Elijah needed, he was going to provide. But look what it says. Give your best in obscurity. Give your best in obscurity. And God will reward it publicly because he's watching. Because he wants to see how we're going to handle it. Because he wants to see how we're going to ha handle the obscure things before he can shine something on you. Look what it says back in, in, verse, in verse 19. It says, so Elijah went from here and found Elijah, son of Shaphat. And he was plowing the field. He was plowing the field. And that's when he threw the cloak around him. That's when he threw the cloak around him. But then after that, Elijah still had to wait 10 more years. What does God have you waiting for? And how long are you willing to wait? How long are you willing to wait for whatever it is? How long are you willing to wait for that dream that you feel God has put in your heart, in your mind? How long are you willing to wait for that, for, for that child to come back? How long are you willing to keep praying for your marriage to be restored? How long are you willing to, to keep doing the job that you know you don't like doing, but you're saying, you know, I'm going to give my best to God because I know that one day God is going to give me something better because here I'm in obscurity. Nobody notices. Nobody knows what I'm doing. What am I doing here? Have you ever felt that way? Have you ever been doing something where you're like, I don't even know why I do this. I don't even know why I do this. Because nobody notices. Nobody cares. Do you know what? God cares. God notices. God sees it. God loves you for it. Give your best in obscurity. And God will reward you. Look what it says in Matthew 6.34. Matthew 6.34 says this. Then your father who sees what is done in secret will do what? Will reward you. You see, your father sees everything. Your father in heaven sees everything. See, we're not about doing things so everybody can see us. We're not about doing things so, so that everybody can say, oh, look what an amazing job you're doing. Look what a great platform you have. No, we're doing things so our father in heaven can be honored and glorified. We do things so that we can honor him. Why? Because he loves us. He loves us in that way. He loves us in that way. So our father will reward us and see what we do in obscurity. Because for him... Nothing that we do is ever obscure. Nothing that we do is ever obscure to Jesus. And, I mean, and this is a perspective that when I thought about it and when I started thinking about it, really, it really blessed my mind. And it's this. And I'm going and, and to encourage you with it too. If you can see Jesus physically, standing wherever it is that you are, doing whatever it is that you're doing, will you change the way you do things? Will you change, somebody say, yeah, what? Will you change the way you do things? 
or your speech be different. With the way you talk to your children be different. With the way that you talk to your wife or your husband be different. With the way that you talk to your co-workers be different. If every time, you know, I imagine it, this is how I imagine it. I think weird things sometimes. This is how I imagine it. Like every time I want to talk to my wife, I see Jesus' head right on her shoulder. <laughs> oh, okay. Okay, Jesus, I guess I'm not going to go there today. When are you going to take a break? Come on. <laughs> you know, but that's, that's something for me to encourage you. If, you. if we were to think, okay, Jesus is here right now because he is. Every situation that we find ourselves in, Jesus is there watching. He's there watching. We're never alone. Why? Because the Word tells us, I will never leave you and I will never forsake you. So if we are to believe that verse where he says, I will never leave you, then in every situation that we're in, in every place that we find ourselves, Jesus is there and he is watching. He's there and he's watching. So don't ever take for granted that the fact that you, what you're doing is too small or too insignificant for Jesus. Because nothing is insignificant for him. And that's the next handle that I'm going to give you. It's that give your best in small things and God will give you bigger things to do. Give your best in small things and God will give you bigger things to do. And that happened exactly for Elijah. Elijah was doing things that for anybody else that was looking from the outside, it was in obscurity. It was something that was, you know, not that important. It was something that it was repetitious. It was just a routine. It was something that he could say, oh man, I can't, I can't wait to stop doing this. I can't wait to stop doing this. But he kept doing it and he kept doing it right. He kept doing it faithfully. He kept doing it to the best of his ability. And guess what happened? One day Elijah came by. Because we never know if that's going to happen to us. Where are you at right now in whatever situation you find yourself? What is it that you're doing that you think that nobody notices? But you know what? If you keep doing it to the best of your ability, if you keep giving your best, somebody will notice. And that could be in your job. You can have a job, like I said before, that you really don't like. You can have a job that you really, oh man, my goodness, I can't wait to get another job. That's fine. But if you keep doing your job to the best of your ability, I guarantee you someone in that job is going to notice you. Someone in that job is going to say, hey, you know what? I want that person to do something bigger because in the small things that they're doing, in the ones that nobody's looking at, in the ones that nobody cares about, they're giving it their all. So imagine what they're going to do when we give them bigger things. And that's the same thing that God does to us. See, because a lot, a lot, of, a lot, of, a lot of us, a lot of us, me included, sometimes we just want the big things. Oh man, we, we just want to do big things for God. We want to do huge things for God. We want to do, man, we want, we want to reach the whole city of Miami. But are you willing to feed one homeless person? Are you willing to go to one nurse, nursing home? Are you willing to spend one service back in the nursery changing diapers? Are you willing to spend one service walking around making sure this place looks beautiful and cleaning bathrooms and putting chairs up and down so that's how we start and the small things because you know what when we do the small things when we do the small things with excellence and by the way excellence is one of the core values that we have here in our church when we said we're going to do everything with excellence if we do things with excellence that's how we start earning the trust to do things that are bigger and more important that's how we do it we don't just come out and, and start doing things that are huge. No, no. We got to start in the small things. That's our core value. Whatever it is that you're doing, are you giving it your best? Whether it's in your family, whether it's in your marriage, those of us that are married, are we giving our best 
in our marriage? Are we giving our best to our children? Are we giving our best to our church? Are we saying, yes, you know what? I'm going to run this race. I'm going to run this marathon and I'm going to mean it. I'm going to make sure that I do whatever it is and I'm going to give my best. Look what it says in Luke 16.10. Look what it says. Whoever can be trusted with very little can also be trusted with much. And whoever is dishonest with very little will also be dishonest with much. So as Jesus is talking, that was Jesus talking to his disciples. And he's saying, you know what? If you want to do big things, you got to start in small beginnings. And you have to do it good. You have to do it good. In other words, if if we're looking for a promotion at work, right? We're looking for a promotion. Oh man, I'm going to get that promotion. I I deserve it. I earn it. I study for it. What are you doing to earn it? Are you doing the right things? Are you giving your best? Or do you want that promotion, but you get there late, later than anybody else? And you leave before anybody else leaves? And then in between, you spend all your time at the water cooler, but you want that promotion? Well, you're not being faithful with the small things. And if you're not faithful with the small things, then you know what? God says, I can't give you the big things. Because you know what? In this marathon, in this race that we're running, we are representing Him. We are being His ambassadors. And whatever blessing we get is because He gives it to us. Whatever thing that we get is because we have it from Him. And if we misrepresent Him by not being what we should do, then who looks bad? They're not going to talk bad about us. They're going to say, oh, well, you call yourself a Christian? So they're projecting on God. So we have to be thinking about that. What is it that we're doing? God loves me so much. He has blessed me with this job. Yeah, it might not be the best one and I want something better and I'm praying for it and I'm fasting for it. I'm doing whatever for it and God will give it to you. But while I'm here, I'm going to do my best. I'm going to do my best. And that's what Elijah was doing. Doing his best every day. Every day in whatever situation he found himself in. And it leads us to the last handle we're going to talk about today. is this. Give your best in the natural and God will do the supernatural. Give your best in the natural and God will do the supernatural. See, so now fa- fast forward 10 years from the first, first day that Elijah came upon Elijah and, and hired him, right? Now he's ready. He's ready. Everything, he's done everything right. He's honored God in everything. He, he's like, okay, now I'm ready to, t- to step up. Look what it says in 2 King, uh, ch- second chapter, verses 9 and 10. Look what it says. It's going to come up. When they had crossed, Elijah said to Elisha, Tell me what can I do for you before I am taken from you. Let me, in, and look what he says. Look what Elijah says. Let me inherit a double portion of your spirit, Elijah replied. Man, he, he asked. He asked. He was bold in asking. It was his time. He had done everything he needed to do. He was faithful in everything. And his opportunity came. Your opportunity is going to come. Your chance is going to come. And what are you going to ask when your opportunity comes? See, you have to be bold. Elijah was bold. He said, okay, I've been learning. I've been doing everything. And now it's my chance. And Elijah says, what do you want me to do? And he says, a double portion of what you got. Because I've seen what God has done to you and through you. And I want that. What are you asking God for? What are you asking God for? Are you asking big prayers? Are you asking bold prayers? Are you asking crazy prayers? Because sometimes, you know what I think? Sometimes I think that I insult God with my prayers. I'm like, uh, you know, bless this food. Give peace to the world. We love you, God. And that's where I stop. And God is up there probably looking at me and saying, George, man, why don't you pray something crazy? I'm getting ready to give you something crazy. Why aren't you praying something crazy? You know, he says, he says in the Bible, he says, I am going to give you something bigger than you ever dreamed before. Any of your crazy dreams that you have, I'm going to give you something bigger than that. And I know I can dream some crazy dreams. What are you dreaming? What are you, what are you praying for? What are you asking God for? 
What is it in your heart that you're even, that, that, that it sounds so crazy that you're even afraid to pray about them? You know what? If you're thinking about it, guess who put it there? God put it there. God put that desire in you. Start, we need to start praying bold prayers. We need to start praying big things for our families, for our children, for our church, for our country, for our land. We need to start saying, God, we give us this city. God, help us. You know, when I started, when I was doing the, the, the research for this uh, teaching, when I got to this part where I'm saying, hey, are you praying bold prayers? Man, I just, I had to stop right there. And I say, am I praying bold prayers? And then I just start asking God for crazy things. I say, okay, God, you want me to pray for both prayers? Okay, you know what? Uh, you, we, we want 10 campuses. So how about if we get uh, a, a hundred uh, people that are going to be pastors in our church? How about if we get a hundred people that are going to be uh, growth track teachers? How about if we get a hundred people that are going to be in the welcome home team? How about if we get a hundred? You know, I started praying that because you know what? The bigger the prayer and the crazier the prayer, the bigger the honor and the glory is going to be for God when he answers those prayers. That's what we got to pray. Are we praying? Are we praying? Or are we just settling? Look what it says in John 14. And this is going to be one of the last verses we're going to talk about today. Look what it says. Very truly, this is Jesus talking to. Very truly, I tell you, whoever believes in me will do the works I have been doing. And they will do even greater things than these. Because I am going to the Father. Jesus said, and I will do whatever you ask in my name so that the Father might be glorified in the Son. You might ask me for anything in my name and I will do it. Jesus says, you will do greater things than I ever did. Is that even, does that, I can't even comprehend that. But if he said it, you know what, I'm going to believe him. If he said it, I'm going to trust in him. So I got to remind myself that. And I got to remind myself, you know, I got to pray bold prayers. I got I to pray, I, 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 I got to pray crazy prayers. I got to dream big dreams. I can't stop dreaming. Church, we cannot stop dreaming. We cannot stop praying. We cannot start doing those things. But you know what? Dreams and prayers, they are birthed in the presence of God. Dreams and prayers are birthed in the presence of God. In other words, if we're not spending time with God, if we're not in the presence of God, then you know what? We're not going to have those dreams. And we're not going to have those prayers. They are born in the presence of God. Look what it says in, in Acts chapter 4. Acts chapter 4 verse 13. It says this. When they saw the courage of Peter and John and realized that they were on school, ordinary men they were astonished and they took note that these men have been with Jesus see the next time you feel a little bit unsure about talking about Jesus to somebody because you haven't been to Bible college or you you might not know that much about the Bible or you just got saved yourself a few weeks before a few days before look what it says on school these guys were fishermen these guys were ordinary people but there was one thing that set them apart and it's the same thing that sets us apart from anybody else you know what that is it says right there they have been with Jesus are you being with Jesus? Are you spending time with Jesus? Are you asking Jesus to, to, to imbue, fill you with His Holy Spirit? Because that's what's going to set us apart from everybody else. That's what's going to set us apart when we pray big prayers. When we pray, when we dream big dreams, we have to keep dreaming big. We have to dream big for this church. We have to dream big for our ministries, for our families, for our children, for our marriages, for everything. Because, you know what? Because God says that we are destined for greatness. But do we believe it? Do we believe that we're destined for greatness? He says already, you are great in my eyes. But you know what? Prayers and dreams have to go from, from inspiration to participation. There's got to come a point in time when you dream and you pray that you got to stop dreaming and praying and start doing. You got to start doing. James 2.17 says that. It says, in the same way, faith by itself, if it's not accompanied by action, 
is dead so you pray you do whatever you need to do but you take a step same same way that elijah did he did everything he needed to do and when his time came he took a step when his time came he says give me a double portion because i want to do mighty and greater things that you ever did because i'm following a god that i've seen what he's done already and i know that he can do even more and crazier things and that's what happened in the life of elijah crazier things happened than what happened with elijah and he did amazing things 28 miracles the same thing what miracles are you praying for what miracles are you dreaming for if we had Elijah here right now, and I'm going to close with this, and then we're going to pray, he will be telling us, just because you don't see anything happening, doesn't mean that God isn't working. Just because you don't see anything happening, doesn't mean that God isn't working in it. Just because you've been praying a lot for something, and you haven't heard your answer yet, don't quit. Keep praying. Keep praying. Can you imagine if the people that were going around Jericho stopped at the, at, at, at the fifth turn or the sixth turn? No, they kept going to the seventh. And at the seventh was when the walls came down. Your walls are going to come down. Your walls will come down. Don't quit. Keep praying. Keep praying. Your walls will come down. God will bless you. That's what Elijah is telling us here. Elijah is telling us, don't, don't set your life on the scene. But trust in the unseen. Trust in the unseen. And God will bless you greatly. Can we come to our feet? I want to pray for some people. I want to pray for some people right now. There might be some of you that are saying, man, I'm stuck. I, I, I don't think my life has any meaning. I don't think that there's anything happening. I don't think there's, I'm only going to amount to anything. I, I'm in this job that is just drudgery and is every day and is day after day after day. I'm going to ask you, all of us to just bow our heads and close our eyes for privacy. And as you're listening to the sound of my voice, after you're listening to my words, if this is you, I want to pray for you. If you feel that you're stuck, if you feel you're stuck in your marriage, if you feel you're stuck, that there's nothing, that your life is not amounting to anything right now, let me encourage you. God says it is. God says it is. And I want to pray for you. I want to pray for the Holy Spirit to minister to you right now. I want to pray for the Holy Spirit to, 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 for, to do the supernatural in your life. So if that is you, can you raise your hand right now? If you're saying, yes, I feel stuck right now. Hands are going up all over this place. Thank you, Jesus. Lord, you see your people right now. You see the hands that are up right now, Lord God. I pray, Father, right now that your Holy Spirit will come upon them, that you will touch them, Lord God, that you will meet them at wherever they need to be met. Father, you know what's going on in their hearts. Father, give them strength. Give them courage to do what they need to do. Give them courage to do their best wherever you have placed them. Remind them that you love them, that you will never leave them, that you will never forsake them, that you will open doors, that they are to dream big dreams, that they are to trust because you will never leave them behind. Thank you, Lord God, for your faithfulness. We love you, Jesus. In your name we pray. Amen. I want to pray for a second group of people. If you're here, you've been listening to this message today and you're saying, yes, I can relate to that. However, I don't have a relationship with Jesus. I don't call Jesus my Lord and my Savior. I have not opened my heart to Him. I have not opened my heart to Jesus. I have not invited Him. I have not asked Him to forgive me of my sins. I'm going to give you that opportunity because that's what we do here every Sunday. We make sure that everyone has an opportunity to come into a relationship with Jesus, with the God that created you, the God that loves you, the God that has a plan and a purpose for your life. The Bible tells us that all of us are sinners not one of us is perfect that we have all made mistakes and that because our sin separates us from God he had to do something to get us closer to him and that something was that he sent his son Jesus to die for us it also says that if we believe in him and we put our trust in him our sins will be forgiven and we will have eternal life 
says that Jesus came down to earth and he lived down here for 33 years, 33 sinless years. Then after that, he took my sins and your sins and he went up and he died on a cross for us. He was buried and on the third day he resurrected. And right now he sits at the right hand of the Father and he's alive and he loves us and he wants to give you a brand new start. So if you're here this morning and you're saying yes, I want a brand new start. Yes, I want to have that relationship with Jesus. When I count to three, I want you to just raise your hand for a second. I'm not going to embarrass you. I'm not going to call you up front. I just want to acknowledge you. I'm going to say God bless you and you can put your head down. And then I'm going to lead you in a prayer. So if that's you, if you're saying yes, I want to have that relationship with Jesus. When I count to three, you raise your hand. Are you ready? One, Jesus loves you. Two, he has a plan for your life. Three, raise your hand if you want to have a relationship with Jesus. Raise your hand. Anybody here this morning that wants to have a relationship with Jesus? God bless you. I see you here. Anybody else? Anybody else? Father, I thank you for the hands that went up. I thank you for the fact that I know that you're here. I thank you for the fact that I know that you want to have a relationship with us, Lord God. Father, I thank you that you have taught us today not to give up, to give our best, and that you will be there for us. I'm going to lead you in a prayer. If you raise your hand, I want to lead you in a prayer. And it's a repeat after me prayer. This prayer is not that saves you. It's your intention with God. And I'm going to ask the whole church to repeat after us as a community, as a family. So if you raise your hand, repeat after me. Say, Lord Jesus, I open my heart. I invite you inside to be my Lord, to be my friend, to be my Savior. Forgive me of my sins. Wash me clean. From this day forward, I'm going to follow you every day of my life I believe in you and I put my trust in you in Jesus name amen 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 yes